Good morning, comrades, and uh, welcome to uh, another episode of Workers' Power. And uh, we just uh, listened to uh, our intro was uh, by a uh, agency, Citizens Alone. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you to Artcart for another uh, great show. And was that I hear hear your your listeners winning prizes? Yay! <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, uh, today on the show, um, today on Workers' Power, you, we've got plenty of workers' action. Now, we've got a uh, special guest, Janelle from Respect. Um, uh, fun, we'll, we'll give her a call um, to celebrate our 69th episode. Uh, we thought we'd uh, get the uh, Sex Workers' Union in and uh, they can uh, give us a bit of an update. And, uh, of course, we've got the world-famous Scallywag of the Week. Um, I'll, I'll go with the uh, the acknowledgement of country as uh, as we always should start out um, any p- progressive meeting or, or or radio show or anything of the like. Uh, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yagara and Turrbal people. Uh, this land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to elders, past, present, and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge all First Nations comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggle for recognition, reparation and land rights. And um, so today on the show, of course, I've got Jackson here. I didn't do the intros. I'm Bill. I'm Jackson. I'm Jackson. And we've got a, a, a new new part member of the team. Kelly's joined us. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, good, good to have you on board. Kelly's Thank been... You. Yeah, some people uh, have. Oh, oh, if you're a Four Triple Z subscriber, Kelly's sent you something in the last. Well, if you subscribe during Radiothon, definitely have. <laughs> you, you, you've had your little pause all over it, haven't I you? I have, indeedy. <laughs> well, so uh, you know, I was having a chat with you the other day, and um, it didn't worked out. You didn't have a show to be a part of, and so. The recruit was on, and uh, here you are. So, Thank you very much. No worries. Welcome to the team. So, um, Cheers. Uh, as we we uh, start out with uh, First Nations workers' action here on uh, Workers' Power, and uh, uh, first off, we've got uh, Torres Strait Islanders uh, ramping up fight against the Australian government on climate change. This is a story by uh, Douglas Smith from NITV News. Uh, Jackson, you. Take us through that one. Yeah. So eight Torres Strait Islanders in a historic climate crisis have ramped up their fight this week by submitting an official reply to the Australian government, who attempted to have their case dismissed at the United Nations. In May last year, eight traditional owners from across the Torres Strait lodged a complaint with the UN's Human Rights Committee, highlighting the threat of climate change to their culture and their ability to live on their home islands. The Australian government attempted to have their complaint blocked in August this year, dismissing the issue as a problem for the future rather than the present. The group, dubbed the Torres Strait 8, submitted its formal response on Tuesday, expressing disappointment with the Australian government and stating it has failed to recognise the basic human rights obligations it has to its people. In the statement, Kulkagal man living on Masig Island, Yessi Mosby, said the impacts of climate change were destroying their way of life. How can the Australian government say this is just a future threat to our rights? We are watching our ancestors' bones wash away, our crops destroyed by salinity, and our drinking water is contaminated, said Mr Mosby. 
Australian climate lawyer acting for the group, Sophie Marginak, criticised the federal government's action on climate change as being at the bottom of the league, has a long track record of inaction at home and international obstruction in efforts to reduce the amount of global heating pollution in our atmosphere, said Ms Marginak. It has the world's highest per capita emissions and its commitments to the Paris Agreement are woefully inadequate. If the Australian government claims it's not responsible for the human rights of its most climate-vulnerable citizens after its continued climate inaction, then who is? According to the claimants, the timing is significant given that September marked the anniversary of the creation of the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Our message to the Australian public is to please support us in solidarity in this fight to save our island homes, our people and our culture for our children and future generations, said Mr Mosby. The uh, hashtag Our Islands Our Home and hashtag Torres Strait 8 campaign has already gathered more than 20,000 petition signatures, which the claimants plan to deliver to the government in November. Right on. Good stuff. I like that, that... The Taurus Eight was it Taurus Straight Eight? Yeah, you need a catchy name and gimmick, <laughs> and uh, these do. these days, you know. But uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. Of course, you shouldn't. But um, uh, we do, and uh, yeah, good, great, great work by the Taurus Straight Eight to uh, um, stand up and fight back. Essentially, um, uh, really, really good stuff. And while it isn't exactly radical action, you can help by going to sign their petition, which will give them more of a leg to stand on when they fight against the Australian government. So, so yeah, that's the, the the hashtag or the thing to look up is Taurus Straight 8. They've spelt straight a little bit different. Well, yeah, that's the, like, straight as in the part, part of the ocean. Oh, it is too. Yeah, right. How's my English? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. We'll um, we'll we'll keep our comrades posted on how that petition uh, serves out uh, when they deliver it in in November to the government. Hmm. Right. Oh. So. Oh. Here we go. Police doing laundry at time of Sherry Tilbury's death. Oh, Kelly, you wanna you wanna give it a go? Oh, I can give it a go. Okay, the peak legal body for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. He said uh, revelations that officers at the Brisbane Watch House where Sherry Fisher uh, Tiburu died was doing the laundry instead of regular cell checks are extremely concerning, definitely. Um, Bira Gooby, women, Sherry Fisher Tiburu. Sorry, I'm not very good at um, yeah, <laughs> saying uh, the Fisher words. Tilbury, yeah, <laughs> died in the holding cell at the Brisbane Watch House on uh, 10th of September. The Ethical Standards uh, Command has launched an investigation into her death, but already an officer has been suspended in relation to allegations. They failed to conduct regular physical checks at the Watch House over a five to six hour period. Cheryl Axelby, co-chair of the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Services, told NITV News uh, the revelations are worrying. Sorry. (laughs) Um, These reports are extremely concerning. Uh, Any changes to police practice during the pandemic must be balanced against the risk to the lives of the people in the custody and the need for regular monitoring, said Ms Axelby. 
We urge police to review these practices to prevent Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander deaths in custody. We are deeply saddened by Auntie Cheryl's death, uh, currently under investigation. Uh, Nat Silis, N-A-T-S-I-L-S, said in, sta- in stands in solitary with the Fisher and Tibaru family and all the families who have lost loved ones in custody in their fights for justice. That's right, solidarity, comrades, and uh, yeah, we we always uh, like to report this. And uh, it's a sad thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I don't think it was this one. There was one. Oh no, that was uh, Tanya Day. That was heartbreaking. Oh, that was very that heartbreaking. That was heartbreaking that as was. well. You know, be, you know, being arrested for being drunk. Oh, I'm not sure on this one. What? Uh, it was what? drugs and theft charges for Sherry Tilbury. Yeah, and well. Mm. You know, you, you shouldn't be incarcerated for that. You know, like, uh, yeah, once upon a time you got a seven-year holiday in the colonies for that, you know. So, <laughs> but, but regular checks is important, and that they failed that, so. Yeah, 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 you got to... They were just yeah. doing laundry instead of checking on the lives of the people well, who they yeah. forcibly took into their care. It just makes you wonder what else happens that we yeah, don't know about. Um, why, why are we paying cops, you know, like, that he, you know, you, you'd probably, th- from, from from the antidactyl evidence that I've seen on, on coppers' pay, they'd be on a minimum of about eighty ninety thousand dollars 90000 a year. Why are we paying them to bloody do laundry? <laughs> you know, exactly for like God's sake. laundry. <laughs> you know, well, why are they doing laundry? It's shocking. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and it highlights... Um, the the need to defund the police because they're doing too much they, they, you know like well, i don't know if this was the actual like police officers rather than just someone who worked at the police okay. station all oh, right okay sorry well but no still. no i like my line of thought <laughs> you know these bloody pigs have been neglecting you know, you know like you know they should, should over a five to six hour period someone who's been incarcerated you, 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 you and in the state that they were in yeah they should have been right. looked after that's right. Okay, well, they shouldn't have been incarcerated in the first. Yeah, place. that's exactly right. So, all right, and uh, back here on Workers' Power, we're uh, we're going to have a quick little chat about uh, agitate, educate, and organise. And uh, uh, for Kelly, you might not know this is where we we talk a little bit about what we've done to uh, agitate, educate, and organise for the cause. And uh, well, it's not what well we've had a little bit to do with with this, but it, um, I'll put it into this section um, because it's part of our Anti Poverty Network Queensland, who Jackson and I are both members, and and uh, they're organising a stall outside Serena Rosso at Fortitude Valley, and it's happening now as we speak. Um, they're, they're out there uh, fighting the good fight and raising awareness. Uh, uh, because uh, mutual obligations are back. Once again, given parasitic job agencies the b- ability to t- suspend the payments millions of us rely on to live. These companies, Serena, Rosso, Terso, Max, and many more, exist to make a profit, not to help us. They profit of the lives of the unemployed and will bully and lie to you to reach their goals. The Anti-Poverty Network Queensland were holding a stall outside Serena Rosso to talk to those affected. It is vital you protect yourself against them by knowing what your current rights are. Beyond that, we will all be safer if we stand as one and assert ourselves. 
So, uh, please, well, they've got, they wanted you to join in. It's a bit late. It's, uh, it's happening right now. And um, we will get an update from Jaden and uh, report on that next week. Yeah, and, like, the point of this stall is that if you're having any trouble with Centrelink, you need help working through the system because it is a really complicated and difficult-to-work through system. You can go to them, and they're really knowledgeable about all this stuff, and they'll help you uh, with any problems you might have. That's right, and also I'm about to play a, a one of our, our community service things that, that we do. There's a, there's one here for the uh, Australian Unemployed Workers Union who are... Um, um, they're they're a great uh, advocacy group as uh, as well as uh, Anti Poverty Network. They've got some great resources on their website, so go and check it out. But uh, um, you, you you're bound to f- find a link between Workers Power and Anti Poverty Network. Uh, so uh, uh, yeah, you can get in touch with Jade, and you'll find his um, contact details on their Facebook Facebook page. And uh, um, yeah, we encourage you. That, look, th- there's no question that. It's too simple or too hard, especially when um, when you're dealing with uh, you know Centrelink and and and, uh, and and agencies. I remember uh, recently when uh, our our family experienced a bit of long term unemployed, and uh, um, my partner, who was a legal clerk, now she's a teacher. I was a mail clerk. Now now I'm a union organizer. And it was tough. Just getting on the ro- on the dole is tough work. And we 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 considered ourselves learned people, and filling in all that paperwork and that uh, is quite tough. So it's really really good to know that you you've got some hand there. You've got a bit of a m- bit of a assistance, uh, some mutual aid, if required. And it can be confusing as well. So oh, very very much so. Um, draconian even. They wanted to split my family apart. Mm. Uh, which was terrible. And welcome back to Workers Power for Triple Z, where you're with uh, Bill Jackson and Kelly, and uh, we're also joined on the line by uh, by with Janelle uh, from uh, Respect. Are you there, Janelle? Yes, I am. We've got you. The technology works. Woohoo! Woohoo! So, uh, thanks for being on the show again. It has been way too long since we, we've had you on. Um, so when uh, Jackson suggested we celebrate our 69th uh, episode of uh, Workers' Power, uh, we should invite respect on, and I thought that was a great idea. Absolutely. As sex workers, we, um, we'd, be, we'd feel very unhappy if we were left off of the 69th episode. <laughs> All right. So, um, look, we we have so many new comrades listening into the show now um, since we last spoke. So, I thought it at best that we 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 can you can give us a basic intro on respect. Absolutely. So, respect is the uh, statewide sex worker organisation in Queensland. We have an office in Gold Coast, Brisbane, Townsville, and Cairns. We've been around for 10 years and um, we're all sex workers at Respect, the management committee, the staff, volunteers, we're all either past or present sex workers. If you like, it's an organisation of sex workers um, doing it for ourselves. And the kind of um, activities we get up to, I guess, range from that kind of community building and organising together 
um, type of stuff that's, you know, around getting the laws changed, improving policies. Um, but we do it a lot in the STI and sexual health field, and that's about um, making sure sex workers know um, about STIs and how to work safely, but also a lot of engagement with doctors and nurses to, you know, really cut down that stigma and discrimination that people can experience when they're accessing health services. We also do a lot in the area of human rights and um, providing also um, kind of direct, if you like, you know, court support and um, putting people in touch with legal support because there's a lot of problems with the laws in Queensland and it does mean that a lot of sex workers end up with fines or charges and end up criminalised. And um, we also do a lot in that um, kind of community building that's about having events and workshops um, that are about issues that are important for sex workers to do their work. And that might be, you know, it might be the kind of stuff about knowing your rights and responsibilities in relation to um, tax, for example. But it's also very skills-based, just about, you know, how sex workers do our work. We've got a program that looks at ensuring that people who are um, younger workers, that they're linked into the organisation. And we also have specific... Um, members of our committee that are targeted um, towards, you know, having a male rep, a trans rep, um, a rep from the Asian and migrant sex worker community, just to make sure we're not, um, you know, missing out on those, um, those parts of our community. And more recently, we have an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander sex worker program. And um, we don't have funding to do that, but it's we're kind of kicking it off just ourselves just to um, demonstrate the importance of it. And we hope that it might be a funded area in the future. But a lot of our work is around um, making sure that people understand sex work as work and as such, you know, that sex workers should have the same rights to workplace health and safety as other workers and um, that the laws that criminalise sex work and sex workers need to be repealed. Right on. Uh, hey, Janelle, it's Jackson here. So I was, sex work is a bit of a broader category than most people first think. So do you cover all sex workers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we do. Um, when we say sex work, we're meaning... We're meaning in that very broad sense, all sex workers. So we don't kind of, um, we don't make that definition for people. Um, we put it out there and if you identify as a sex worker, then you're welcome to come along. We're a bit different to um, unions where you have to be a member in order to, or some unions, you have to be a member to access services Anyone who is a sex worker can come to any of our activities and if they need support, access um, support, um, there's no charge. I've got another answer to, to his question and, and, and it even gets me to mention my union, Retail and Fast Food Workers Union. We've actually got uh, 
members that are, are dual members of both. So anyone working, yeah. anyone working in a sex shop, as, as they're known, is, is eligible to be a member of Respect and also a member of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union. And there are a few. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, um, Bill, because I think a lot of people um, understand all of us as, you know, one-dimensional. And, you know, lots of us have um, worked part-time in one area, part-time in another field, or we're studying and working um, at the same time. And that's the same for sex workers. So we absolutely might um, have a range of different um, work um, particularly, I guess, with the casualisation of workforces, right? Many of us um, have more than one job. And um, so, yeah, lots of us are sex workers and working in another field, like you say, um, yeah. Yeah. Now, in these strange times, we, we have all experienced great change. Has the pandemic created challenges uh, for, for respect organising workers? Absolutely, this time has had a massive impact on sex workers and on um, respect as an organisation. Firstly, because um, sex workers were part of, um, you know, had to stop work as part of the restrictions for quite some time. And um, and like lots of other people in casualised um, areas of work and... Um, and for sex workers, like lots of people who are, um, you know, might not have a visa that um, was covered by the government support, it meant that many sex workers didn't have access to job seeker or job keeper. And so that long extended period of time where um, people were out of work um, meant that. We really saw lots of people, um, respect stayed open and um, we did that in safer as way as we could, as we possibly could. Um, but it did mean that we saw lots of people in our community who were um, doing okay um, beforehand slip very quickly into crisis situations. So needing housing, um, financial and and mental health support um, and that meant that for us as um, people working in the organisation as well our work changed very quickly and we were really committed to try and help people as much as we could but um, but actually a lot of people slipped out of um, you know the kind of services or um, work that we often do and Many other um, welfare and support organisations had closed down. So it meant that our usual referrals were not there either. So we had to really quickly move into you know, developing other ways of supporting people. And I guess the worst thing for sex workers during that time is not only did we have what everybody else was experiencing, with the isolation, loss of work, financial distress, but we also had police um, really targeting sex workers heavily during that time. And I don't just mean for COVID. Um, we've had a look at some of the police stats and it looks like those periods 
we will have some of the highest levels of charges against sex workers for many years. And so it means that during that period, police really, um, I don't know, did they have nothing else to do? I don't know. I, I would have thought they would have been very busy doing other stuff, but, but no, they were out there targeting sex workers. So that was an additional level of criminalisation and um, harassment during the time when people were already under, you know, excessive levels of distress. Um, yeah, and speaking of police, the Queensland government has recently announced that if they win the election, they will uh, provide a, I think it was $600 million funding boost to police. Does this worry you and um, your organising with respect? We're very concerned that the laws in Queensland criminalise sex worker safety. And, you know, nobody can defend that. Nobody can give us a reason why there are laws that prevent sex workers telling each other where they're going, letting each other know at the end of the booking that they're safe, being able to work in pairs or even work in the same hotel as other sex workers, drive each other, have a receptionist, all those basic things that people in small or micro businesses put in place for their own safety, um, people, nobody, no government can defend that um, those things being criminalised in Queensland is just completely unacceptable. And so we are very concerned that police resources are being used on perusing the advertising of sex workers and then, um, you know, uh, doing entrapment, which means police pretending to be clients and um, making bookings with sex workers. And we think it's a particular waste of resources because there's a lot of money put into undercover things on one or two sex workers. And then if cases go to court, the person luckily might end up with only a small fine and no conviction. The worst things happen to them, right? They've been outed in the paper and they've had their photo and their real name splashed through the papers. So they've been severely impacted. But we think that, you know, that's not a great use of resources at all. And in fact, if there was a reconsideration of what police should be prioritising, um, then maybe they wouldn't need more police at all. The other really bad outcome of um, the laws in Queensland is when sex workers experience crime, then, you know, none of us, um, you know, it would be not many of us go to the police, right? And that's because um, we're being targeted by the police all the time. So we just certainly don't see them as anyone we'd go to for our safety. Um, and that's, you know, that's, a, that's really unfair for the sex work community that um, there is no expectation that, um, you know, um, police would provide any support. Right on. We, we, we agree and uh, we, we think that uh, um, this highlights the importance of the decrim campaign as a long-term solution for workers. Yeah, absolutely. Decriminalisation has demonstrated whenever introduced that it, um, you know, it removes police from the bedrooms, if you like, or from our workplaces. And... Um, 
you know, there was a time, right, when police were very focused on, let's say, um, you know, in the 90s, street-based sex workers. But street-based sex work happens um, at a very low degree now in Queensland, a very small number of um, street-based sex workers. Yet um, police have just moved their focus onto sex workers who are working from units or from their own place. And we really want to see decriminalisation so that that waste of police resources ends but really um, that sex workers are able to, you know, enjoy the same, you know, even just the basic workplace rights and safety that others um, enjoy. And I'm not saying that, not recognising that, you know, there needs to be improvement for all people for our workplace health and safety and our workplace rights. But... Um, you know, as sex workers, we're just fighting for the very basic uh, level of um, acceptance as a workforce and acceptance that because sex work is work, um, that we should be acknowledged in that way and shouldn't be treated as criminals. Too right. Yeah, that's why you're on workers' power. Absolutely. You know, because you're workers and um, we, we consider you workers, you're part of our class and... Um, yeah, we don't have you on enough, uh, I think. Uh, but uh, that, that's what happens in these strange times. It was um, quite weird. And we, we did, we, we, we want to have you in the studio and um, we're working towards that. So uh, we might be able to organise something where you come in the studio uh, by, uh, b- before the end of the year. How does that sound? Sounds great. We'd love to. All right. Uh, I guess everybody out there who's listening, you know, please join our campaign for decriminalisation of sex work. We um, follow us on Twitter at, at decrimqld. Um, we're on Instagram as well, and or follow the Respect Facebook. But right now, we really need your support to make sure that um, you know, whichever government is returned um, in October. Um, we um, that they will prioritise this issue um, in the first term of government, and um, we'd really love other workers to jump on board and show their support um, by acknowledging that sex work is work, and um, that we're not being left behind. Right on, and now we'll keep workers informed uh, here on Workers Power, and uh, yeah, you you stay in touch and. Uh um, yeah, we, you, you've, I've even got, had a couple of questions here, but you, you've, you've done it all. You've answered, you know, how can <laughs> workers find out more? You've answered that. And how can sex workers find out more and join? That's, that's well, absolutely. Sex workers can um, become part of Respect by joining as a member, and um, membership is free. Um, but you can also become part of the Decrim QLD campaign, that's um, sex workers through, from throughout the state who've joined together and um, joined with respect to specifically focus on getting the laws changed. And um, so you can do either one just by contacting our office. The email address is just info at respectqld.org.au or our website at respectqld.org.au has all the information about becoming a member and the contact details for our four offices in Gold Coast, Brisbane, Townsville or Cairns. 
Um, and here on 4ZZZ we have listeners from all over Australia, so if you happen to be listening from outside Queensland, you can look for Scarlet Alliance, which is the national peak body for sex worker advocacy. Absolutely, and if you're listening from anywhere, right now Scarlet Alliance is running a fundraising campaign. They've been doing it right throughout the COVID um, um, time because lots of sex workers are still unable to work and government support is not covering sex workers. So we're trying to fill that, create that safety net and we have a trust fundraising account and um, we've managed to every week give a small amount of money to um, at least 25% of the sex workers who um, apply. It's not enough by any means, but we're at least trying to get a little bit of money to the worst off people during this time. So please donate if you can. Yeah, all right on. We love Mutual Aid here at uh, 4 Z Workers Power. So, uh, yeah, I think we might even try and find a link for that uh, to, to spread the word on our social media. Thank you so much for coming on, Janelle. It's, uh, uh, it was wonderful to talk to you last week and then um, h- have you on the show again. Uh, and uh, looking forward to having you in the studio. Thanks so much for your support, Workers Power. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Janelle. Thanks. Right, uh, so we should move into some uh, workers' action. And um, I found we've got a couple of stories here from the RTBU uh, Queensland branch. Um, They've got... Now, uh, I've got... This one is Bombardier. 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 Now, they make... Or they, uh, they, they are, they're a train, they're a transport company. So, well, of course, the RTBU uh, <laughs> is there. Uh, can you read us through that one, Jackson? Yeah. So, Bombardier members came out fighting last week on the industrial campaign for a better deal that respects them and the work that they do every day to keep passenger rail running. So far, Bombardier still doesn't understand how the workforce expects to be respected. The resolve of RTBU members is strong, well organised and standing firm in what's likely to be a long and protracted battle. The management level we are dealing with has no authority to reach an agreement and we're seeking the CEO or decision maker to be involved. Yeah, that's that's an old tactic, you know. They, you know, I've I've had that in my work. You, you're dealing with the, um, so for my for what I do, you know, you're dealing with a store manager, and then you go through the act, and and, and you go, oh, they're not the decision maker, you know. All of a sudden, you know, it's a it can be a time wasting tactic. Uh, uh, these bosses will do anything to save themselves the money, you know, when they've got these huge workforces and they can delay tactics by a month, boom, you know, well, they've just saved themselves a whole heap of money. So, um, yeah, good stuff from the RTBU. And now uh, we've got another one, uh, Brisbane City Bus Drivers. Yes, so EBA negotiations have hit a stalemate. To break the deadlock over a pay increase, the unions tabled a pay package designed to get the Lord Mayor to move on his announced two-year pay freeze. The proposal is for a 5% pay increase over the two-year life of the agreement, with the first increase of 2.5% deferred until 7th of October 2021. 
The second rise would kick in from 7th of April 2022. If employees voted yes to this, then a stimulus payment of $1,000 would be paid to each employee on certification. We are awaiting a response from City Hall. However, the union did assure members that without a pay rise, there will be no agreement. I like that last line. I wanted to make sure I put in there that the union's standing strong with their members and uh, if there's no pay rise, there's no agreement. Yeah. Yeah. Too often you hear um, stories about how a union like goes behind the back of its members and um, leaves them without pay for some other random useless condition, um, and it's always good when they stand strong with the members who fight for what and fight for what the workers want. And there's that's another one now that the studios uh, back open uh, up again, uh, and we can we can start to have guests. I'll get uh, now. Tom was their assistant sec- branch secretary uh, at the RTBU. There's some great people that work in their RTBU. Uh, Lucas heads up the youth youth uh, uh, crew and and the like. So uh, I, I I think that now now that we can uh, have guests again, I'll, I'll start making those phone calls and. Uh, um, yeah, but but that said, one of us we're only allowed three in the studio at the time, so I'll, I'll have to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, great stuff from the RTBU, and uh, uh, all, all this is pulled for off their uh, Facebook page and links on their Facebook page. So um, one thing I, I wanted to also highlight is that uh, how. Um, how communicate communic how how much they're uh, getting it out there <laughs> communicative that's communicative. the word that's the word that <laughs> Tricky i couldn't words. Work it out yeah and the rtbu is a really important union too like they literally run the veins of the city basically so we need to always keep an eye on you know what they're doing and figure out how we can support them Right, oh, uh, moving on to uh, another one of our uh, favourite unions here on the uh, Workers' Power is uh, MUA. And uh, w- there's some news from the, the Sydney branch. You want to take us through, through Kelly? Yeah, sure. The MUA Sydney uh, branch ex- ex- executive providing a report back to MUA members working at Patrick's Port Botany last Thursday following... Uh, Two days, two long days, sorry, in the Fair Work Commission negotiations collapsed after the company insisted workers choose between sub, uh, substantially <laughs> yeah, lower pay rises or changes to the existing agreement that would allow the massive casualisation of the workplace, stripping away job security in the midst of the COVID crisis. MUA members continue to stand in uh, defiance against the, ba- the baseless attacks from Patrick's. In other MULA Sydney branch news, Deputy Secretary Paul Keating praised uh, militant uh, Osport, rank and file, well done comrades. Uh, Maritime workers in Botany Bay will not stand for any boss or business who thinks it can sack its entire uh, unionised workforce and make excuses around COVID-19, as well as not liking the rules around enterprise bargaining. Then six months later, start up again a Phoenix business as to undercut industry wages and conditions and de-unionise. Not now, not ever. MUA, here, here to, to stay. stay. <laughs> yeah, good on uh, MUA. Um, for uh, th- There's been a, 
A lot happening down in the Sydney branch. It's um, the Paul branch. You call it Paul? Paul, P-A-U-L. Because, as you know, there the, the deputy secretary is Paul Keating. Right. The secretary is Paul. <laughs> there's... A, a, I think there's two other Pauls down there, you know. <laughs> so... And, of course, uh, w- w- up here in uh, Brisbane, uh, the, the Queensland branch, is Paul Peterson. So you could, you could nearly call <laughs> it's run that... run by uh, Pauls. Uh, yeah, it's run by Pauls. But, uh, no, they've been doing some great stuff. And uh, here's, a, here's a hot tip, I think. Um, uh, I think uh, 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 maritime workers are going to get mentioned a little later on in the show. Oh. There's oh. a bit of a hint for something that happens later on in our show. Uh, and an interesting thing with this story, a uh, tactic of the boss I hadn't heard of before is a phoenix business. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's used well in many many different ways, and uh, one one of the scariest ways is in the, is in the construction industry, where you've got the uh, they they go in and they'll they'll get the contract to a, to a, um, to a job, right? Pay them all heaps in the first in the inner years you call them, right? And then they go broke in the outer years, right? And they, they declare themselves bankrupt and what and then they don't pay the subcontractors, right. the actual workers, right? And then boom, all of a sudden it'll be a Phoenix, you know, mm-hmm. a Phoenix business. But they also do it in union busting and uh, yeah, any, any, anything that, uh, you know, they'll strip all the assets and, and, that, and they, they do these calculated things because. You're not allowed to do anything dodgy within five years or there's three years. There's all these, uh, you know, director's rules that you've got, got to abide by. So it's long-term plans that the, the, these these grubs undertake so that they're not doing – they're not taking money out within the time frame of going bankrupt so that they lose that money, you know, and they pay themselves all quite well and bankrupt the company and then, boom, Phoenix set up uh, under another guise and, and they probably try and do um, Greenfields agreements and things like that where a Greenfield agreement is, is where you haven't got any workers, you know, you, you, you know, so oh, you're okay, starting right. a business and uh, you want an agreement, you know, and but you've got no workers to agree, agree with, you know, Greenfields. There's a whole complexity in, in, in around those. Um, so we'll move on to some international workers action. And um, Philadelphia Housing Action claims victory after six-month direct action campaign forces the, the city to relinquish... 50 vacant homes to a community land trust. This is a great one. You, 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 you can, can you talk us through, uh, Jackson? Uh, yeah, so this is, a, this is just a statement directly from the people who organised this. Um, in the largest self-organising, self-organised housing takeover in the country, 50 homeless mothers and children to remain in 50 vac- vacant city home uh, sorry city owned homes homeless protest encampments to take indigi- additional houses that is not a <laughs> well written sentence sorry let's get <coughs> onto the actual statement on friday september 25th philadelphia housing action and the city of philadelphia reached a tentative agreement to resolve a month long standoff over the fate of two homeless protest encampments and 15 vacant city-owned homes occupied by mothers and children. 
the unprecedented unprecedented agreement to give homeless activists 50 vacant viable homes comes after many months of housing takeovers protest encampments eviction defense of the houses barricaded and blockaded streets and mass mobilizations to defend the encampments right on it's a good start but it's also not enough said black and brown workers cooperative organizer sterling johnson there was already a major housing crisis in Philadelphia, and we anticipate a wave of mass evictions on top of that due to COVID-19. The scale of the housing crisis would require thousands of new units of low-income housing, but we feel that with this agreement we can at least get started moving people off the street and into homes before winter. This is only the beginning. Under the agreement, the 50 vacant city-owned houses will be transferred into a community land trust set up by Philadelphia Housing Action, a coalition of housing activists who have all experienced either homelessness or institutionalization. The land trust will permanently designate the properties for use as extremely low-income housing and be managed by local control committees. A recent Pew report states that 140,000 Philadelphia households earn $30,000 or less. The 15 city-owned houses have taken over have been taken over by mothers and children will be included in the deal with the city and Philadelphia Housing Authority transferring properties that are available directly to the community land trust and allowing for families to rotate to remain in the unavailable properties until the land trust can accommodate them elsewhere. The two homeless protest encampments, Camp James Tather Dean on 22nd and Ben Franklin Parkway and Camp Teddy 21st and Ridge Avenue will also remain while the residents who carried out a 108-day occupation for permanent housing be- begin to transition into the new houses and others who have come to call the camp home are supported in finding other appropriate housing solutions. James Talib Dean, an organizer with the Workers' Revolutionary Collective who co-founded the encampment and died during its first week, would have celebrated his 35th birthday today. This is a landmark agreement, said Occupy PHA organizer Jennifer Bennett. Not only has a group of poor and homeless organizers managed through direct action to win an agreement that will set a precedent for the entire country, but we have also forced the city to exercise its power power of the Philadelphia Housing Authority and finally get them to give up these vacant homes that have been blighting our communities for decades. We will continue to pressure the city to transfer more houses to be designated as permanent low-income housing, stabilize our communities and combat the displacement caused by market rate development and gentrification. Philadelphia Housing Action's Community Land Trust will fill a major gap in the low-income housing spectrum by being able to accommodate people who might have criminal records or eviction histories that prevent them from accessing other housing options. The houses being transferred are slated for auction or sale and would not be taking away from other low-income housing stock or jumping people ahead of the PHA's waiting list. Well... Some work gone into that, hasn't there, comrade? Yeah, it's a really awesome win. Yeah, oh yeah, huge win. You know, and down in Philly, they they haven't given up, have they? You know, they they that's the town that there's still Black Lives Matters protests Hmm. that are going. Oh, that's Portland. Portland. Oh, sorry, sorry. Right, you are. Yeah, but this is definitely like one of the biggest wins in American politics since the um, the. Uh, push to abolish the police in Minneapolis. 
Yeah, right on. Well, they got it. Well, they've got the, there's some uh, similar examples to their police and to over here, and uh, um, and and also uh, w- w- now that the uh, w- what was it that get that you know state and federal governments put in a ban on in, uh, evictions and 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 mortgagee repossessions that. Uh, as those are lifted, um, we w- there may be some this type of action here in Australia. Yeah, and this sort of action definitely provides a blueprint for basically the rest of the world as we face a recession, and many will be facing homelessness. And these are homeless people doing the organising themselves and doing direct action to win their uh, freedom to exist, basically, and not be crushed under the poverty of capitalism. Yes, right on. Okay, well, where are... Oh, here's a... I like... There's one of my favourite words are in this title here. Anarchists attack police with Molotovs in Mexico City during October 2nd protests. Uh, Kelly, you you can talk us through this one? Yeah, anarchists um, attacked the police with sticks, stones and Molotov cocktails in Mexico City during a a protest to commemorate the, uh, how would you say that, Telecula? It's a tricky Uh, one. Yeah. (laughs) It's hell that... Sorry, guys. Uh, you know, I can't see it. Either. Yeah, neither can I. But the Telecaglo uh, massacre on second um, of October, nineteen sixty-eight. In the nineteen sixty-eight, sorry, I can't say the massacre word. Uh, Mexican armed forces opened fire on unarmed demonstrators protesting the Olympics being held in Mexico City and killed at least three hundred to four hundred people. The massacre took place in the context of the worldwide revolutionary up upwing in the late 60s and a crackdown on revolutionaries uh, by the US-backed PRI regime in Mexico. To commemorate 52 years since the Tlacolo massacre, the Committee of 68, made up of survivors, decided not to call the annual march due to the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. Instead, they decided to hold a rally in the Plaza de las Tres uh, Cultures, where activities began at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m., and a rally was scheduled for 4 p.m. Anarchist militants uh, also used firecrackers and baseball bats to fight police at the demonstration. Right on. Yeah, some great words in there. And And my apologies, I couldn't say the uh, name of the massacre. That's a tricky one. Yeah, it is a very, very tricky one, that one. So I think that's Tlatelolco. It's definitely Mexican. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. It's got LOL in there. You know, you're it going, does. Oh, well, hang on. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty full on. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, y- Molotovs, you know, when uh, when things aren't, aren't going our way. <laughs> Molotov. It's time for Molotovs. But uh, yeah, this is, you know, we, we talk about this a lot. And. Uh, here on Workers' Power, when when workers are taking action like this, they're at the end of their their tether. They've tried their nonviolent direct action. They, mm. They've tried writing to their politicians. They, they've tried starting radio shows. They've tried um, forming trade unions, and they've had a gutful. And um, and now now it's it's time for Molotovs. I, I know how they feel. 
I, I know, I know. You know, you, you you do everything that 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 you can to bring about change, and you know, I even do, as you know, I even dabble in electoral politics and and the like. And well, that's very frustrating. I, I can you know trying to make change that way. Mm. Um, so I, I can understand anarchists. I I I, I, I truly do, and. Um, and I work in solidarity with them, you know, and um, as I always joke around, um, I'm a centrist. <laughs> you know, I've got anarchists to the left and communists to yeah, the right. right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll work with whatever we're given to, uh, to bring about change and to bring about, uh, to highlight our struggle. And uh, um, for these uh, um uh, workers, it's Molotovs. You know, they're at that that stage of uh, of uh, not being listened to. So, uh, good on them for standing up and fighting back. Definitely. All right. So, so we're we're going to uh, we've got one event I've spotted here, and, and something that I wanted to talk about is um, Unite. Uh, now, Jackson and I are members of Unite, and uh, they're holding a um, a great event on this Sunday. And it's a memorial carnival for David Gerber. Graeber. Graeber. Is it who we reported on a couple of weeks ago, did yeah. we? We did a memorial. Um, eulogy. We, we read out a eulogy. We read, uh, the memorial, eulogy. Would be, memorial would be overstating it. Ah, right. Yes. And uh, uh, so that's at uh, Fortitude Valley in the... Bri- well, we can give the address of Unite out uh, for sure is... Uh, 72B. 74B. Wickham 74B. But if you just put Common House in Google Maps, it shows up. It comes up. So, and just some more. Should go away. Yep. Common House. Common House Library, which is at, um, which Unite Run, and, and Social Centre will also be open 12pm to 6.30pm today and 10am to 6pm Wednesday. And they'll also be holding the memorial, the memorial for the late David Graeber. Graeber. This Sunday from 4 p.m., come along to celebrate David's life and work and share ideas of how we can continue his life's work. Um, yeah, so that's Unite. That's a common house in the valley. So pop in. They're open um, today and tomorrow. Um, you know, stay tuned. Go and check out their um, Facebook page, Unite U N I T E. Uh, you could put Common House into Google, and you'll find it there. Um, but go down, and it's got. Uh, I think. I think we can go as far as it's uh, got uh, Brisbane's largest anti-capitalist library, hasn't it? Yeah, for sure. So go down and see them. Borrow a book. Educate yourself, and. Uh, um, once you've done a, a fair bit of theory, join up, and then I'll help out with the practical. That's kind of the way it goes. In, in you know, there's no <laughs> there's no um, requirement for theory before there you isn't. join. But once you join, you do get plenty of opportunity to learn about anti-capitalist theory and uh, practice and stuff like that, and get involved in practice too. And speaking of practice, let's reiterate that the uh, Anti-Poverty Network is putting on a stall outside Serena Russo in Fortitude Valley. So if you're if you're in the area and you have trouble, if you're having any problems with Centrelink, you can go and talk to them uh, right now uh, to get help with that. Right on. And, uh, well, um, 
That's about it for events. We haven't done much I, recently. I did see there was a uh, rally organised by Refugee Action Collective on, like, Saturday, I think. Yeah, I, t- I couldn't share that. I, I, I spotted it, but... Um I couldn't share it for some reason. It was a bit... Uh, but if you could look that up while I ramble on, and uh, we'll have those those details for comrades. Um, yeah, I think it was this Saturday or the next Saturday. But you know what? I can talk about something exciting because the light's flashing. Someone has just become a subscriber to 4 Z. Yay. Yay. Thank you for your contribution. Um, you know, uh, you went online, 4 zorgau forward slash supporter. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, um, and I hope you get a warm inner glow of being part of Four Triple Z. Yeah. So the uh, there is a protest for refugee freedom organised by the Refugee Action Collective at King George Square on Saturday from one to three. So they're calling to free all detained refugees immediately and shut down detention centres offshore. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's a good one. Although a lot of people are busy, you know, in the uh, especially those of us who uh, dabble in electrical politics will be a bit busy this weekend. Oh, but yeah. um, well, that's the cycle, and that's the way things go. And uh, but uh, some, like like I always talk about, sometimes you can achieve change. Just and and I, it gives electoral politics gives me the opportunity to have conversations with workers, and that's where I think that real change is going to happen where workers are conversing with each other and they're getting opinion and and facts from other workers not from you know not not their news is limited you Mm -hmm. know so um yeah that's what i'll be undertaking i'll be dabbling in that as i say and uh we've just got one more thing to chat about here on uh workers power and that is the one that you wait for every week it's the scallywag of the week now, I found um, something, as I mentioned, um, this is from the MUA and um, Offshore Alliance, uh, which is MUA and AWU. So, Impex state that they are helping. Now, Impex are a, a, a maritime company. Now, they state that they are helping to create lifelong opportunities through focus areas of education, employment, training, environment, arts, culture and heritage to support Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities in building strong and resilient future generations. Language warning here, comrades. (laughs) This is total bullshit in regard to their offshore work. In the redundancy onslaught Inpex unleashed on their offshore workforce last week, they managed to sack 100% of their permanent offshore Indigenous workforce. Mm. Grubs. Grubs. Inpex must be feeling really proud of their efforts in screwing over offshore Indigenous workers. Is this what Japanese corporations think of our First Nations people? This mob are an absolute disgrace and stand condemned for their actions. And President and CEO Takayuka Ueda, you are a scallywag and have earned our, our, the Scallywag of the Week Award from Workers' Power this week. 
How convenient. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, and and I, I, I like I, I included this in the tech in, in the in the copy. Uh, how, how they the the word they use to describe it is quite alp, apt, helping to create lifelong opportunities through focus areas of education, employment, training, environment, arts, culture and heritage to support Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities in building strong and resilient future generation. What a crop of crap from their corporate marketing department. Mm. You know, if you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. That's uh, what uh, we want to reiterate here on uh, Workers' Power. Don't come out with this garbage corporate double speak. Actually look after the communities, you know, so... And uh, so, yeah, that's um, that's the yeah. scallywag of the week. That one's uh, that one's just sort of confusing. Like, are the are the bosses just individually racist against First Nations people or something? <laughs> what? Yeah. What do they gain by doing this? Mm. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Except you get uh, militant unions and militant radio shows calling you out for it. You know, that's yeah. that's what you get for it. You know, and. Uh, um, yeah, I spotted that one late, even though we had a couple of other MUA stories. I thought it was, uh, yeah, we should include that for the scallywag of the week. Yeah, not nice. At least a politician didn't get it this week. Fair <laughs> <laughs> dinkum, they've been, been uh, excelling themselves uh, during the crisis, these politicians, haven't they? Yeah, mm, and speaking definitely. of the MUA, as we saw a story um, last week where the where Scott Morrison called on the... was said he wouldn't rule out using the army to stop the wharfies strike at Port Botany that we mentioned earlier in the episode. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, they won't rule it out. Yeah, so there's some dodgy stuff going on down there there in the in the port. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stay tuned. We'll keep you informed on that. And, uh, um, yeah, so um, we're, we're nearly to exact time. We're going to hand over to make sure you keep listening to uh, Brisbane Lines. Who will keep you uh, informed on all the all the uh, important um, issues and stories uh, uh, from from uh, locally and across the continent, well, and around the globe? Um, if, when you when you want the professional news, you you hang around and you, and you listen to Max on uh, on Brisbane Lines because it's just the polished uh, compared to us. Anyhow. <laughs> actual actual journalists, actual real <laughs> journalists, not just workers pretending to be. be <laughs> but we do a pretty fantastic job, even if we do say say so ourselves. Um, you know, we've got a good diversity of stories there. Great diversity in music. We always smash our quotas here on Workers' Power, so uh, giving a voice to, uh, you know, to, to all communities, or especially those that are marginalised, that's our role. Right, and, and that's our show for the week. Um, I'm going to leave you one. We've got, uh, uh, after what we've been talking about, uh, um, quite an apt song. We've got Colony by our last Quoker? Quoker. Quoker. Yeah, well, they're, they're a furry little cute they're creature little over on Rottnest <laughs> Island, you know, yeah, which uh, they, they are from Western Australia. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go to that. I'll put a language warning in there um, uh, just in case you don't like bad words. Um, you can come back in, uh, in three minutes and uh, 
and Brisbane Lions will be on for Triple Z. So thanks again for joining us, and uh, we will see you next Tuesday. Yep, see you next week.